0: Hello and welcome to Back to Work Connect, the podcast. I'm Gina Oglesby, CEO of Back to Work Connect, an education and employment career hub designed to get returners and career changers back to work. In each episode, we will discuss the topics that are important to you, including financial wellbeing, mental health, and the supports available to help you get back to work. In this episode, we are joined by Neith Burka, founder and CEO of SproutCon, to discuss pensions. So, welcome,
1: Neith. Hi, Gina. How are you today?
0: Good, thanks. So Niamh, today we're going to talk about private pensions, uh, what an employee's rights are and an employer's obligations, and the best solution for people returning to the workforce. So let's start. If someone is returning to work, um, what are their obligations, if any, for a new employer to to provide them with a pension?
1: Well, so the good news is nowadays, Gina, the employer is under an obligation to support their employees with regards to pension funding. It, It was introduced a few years ago when the PRSAs were introduced. So, even if an employer doesn't provide a company employ, uh, employer pension scheme, they must give their employees the time to talk to a PSA provider and also administer that through payroll. So, say I'm an employee with uh, Back to Work Connect, and I'm not commenting on your employer pension arrangements, but just say in this example, you didn't have an employer sponsored pension scheme, you must give me time off. You must introduce me to a Standard PRSA provider, give me time off. And once I establish my PRSA, you must administer that through payroll for me. So say I say I'm going to put 100 euros a month into a PRSA, you administer that through my payroll, which means then I get my tax relief at source. Many employers and tend to be bigger employers, provide their own pension schemes. So they have their own employer pension scheme. And when joining a company, say after my probation period, I'd be given the opportunity to contribute to that scheme. And the employer as well would tend to contribute to that scheme. So that's when there is an employer pension scheme. Then also coming in next year, if an employer doesn't provide a pension scheme, if there is no employer pension scheme, there's actually an auto enrolment scheme coming in. So this will be a government led scheme. So essentially, there's a big focus on employees starting to fund their own private pension for their retirement. And there's different, there's all sorts of different options and combinations. It can be a bit of a minefield, but I suppose the basic point is to know that there must be support and provision for you as a private person to contribute to a pension scheme on your behalf for your benefit.
0: So tell me more about this auto enrolment um, and what does it mean for employers and employees? Yeah, so going back when
1: they introduced the PRSA, The idea was, was that more people could access private pension arrangements, but not as many employees have taken this up. You know, we all have a focus on what's happening today. What bills do I have to meet today? Asher, I'm not retiring for another 30 years or even 20 years, you know, and and, and we don't think about it. We focus on the today. And I suppose, you know, with the state pension age, you know, it's currently 67. They're talking about moving it up to 68. That's paid from the Current account, really, of the government. And it's also a very limited amount. You know, if you think about rolling forward, you know, it's in around 235 euros a week and it's going up by 12 euros come the new year. But it's really not enough to support, if you think about the cost of living to support. So people need to fund for their own private pension. So the PRSAs, they weren't being picked up as much as the government would have liked. So They're adopting a scheme that's used in uh, Australia and it's been very popular in Australia where they're forcing, if employers don't have an employer pension scheme for their employees, they must contribute to this group government scheme. So everybody will be auto enrolled into this scheme and an employer will have to contribute one and a half percent of an employee's salary and an an employee will also contribute one and a half percent. Now, after six months, the employee can opt out, and if the employee opts out, then the employer doesn't have an obligation to continue to pay that one and a half percent. But it's only one and a half percent. Now, it will be rising over time the contribution, but it forces the hand of the employer into an arrangement that has four investment choices, and these investment choices will be run by the government. So it doesn't give the full spectrum of options. It also will, will remain within that scheme. So say I'm an employee, we'll use Back to Work to Connect as well, if you don't mind. Say I'm an employee of Back to Work Connect and you have an employer uh, sponsored pension scheme, and I go into that. You as employer will select the best pension scheme that you can find for your employees and the best investment options and support them with that. But if you don't have an employer pension scheme, I will have to go into this government-led auto enroll scheme. So it's great that it forces people to think about a private pension it's not great because an employer is absolutely tied to what contribution they should make so as an employee it's only three percent combined which is very little uh, whereas many employer pension schemes you might see as much as five percent from the employer and five and you know an employee can contribute as much as they want up to their age-related limits a uh, bigger employers like banks contribute ten percent you know bigger, big 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 employers like multinationals would have very favourable pension schemes. The reason why many employers don't have a pension scheme is they might not have the cash flow for it. And this forces their hand. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens with auto-enrollment. And I think with auto-enrollment, I think it will enforce the employer's hands a lot more to set up their own scheme to make their own arrangements for their employees.
0: So is it one and a half percent of your gross salary or your net salary?
1: your gross salary.
0: And so if you have your own pension, do you then have to auto enroll into another one or can you opt out of it at that point?
1: No, if and it'll be interesting to see how they administer this. So say if you had your own PRSA. So the good thing about a PRSA is I could work for company A and I could set up a a PRSA with company A and they administer through payroll. So I get my tax relief at source and I just I just see the net difference in my pocket. But then I'm take a new job at company B. With a PRSA, I can take my PRSA and I can go to company B and say, okay, company B, these are the payroll details for my pension. I want to put 10% of my salary into it and they administer it through payroll. And So they tell the revenue about the tax relief and they also make a transfer from the company into your PRSA. But that PRSA follows you. So when auto-enrollment comes along, technically, because you already have your PRSA, you won't be forced into the auto-enrollment. How they're going to administer this, I don't quite know, because they have said it's around an employer pension scheme, and you can have employer PRSAs, or you could have personal PRSAs. So... You know, that's one of the reasons why it hasn't been introduced yet is how are they going to administer all this? But technically, because you already have a private pension that your employer is supporting, you shouldn't be forced into auto enrollment. Auto
0: enrollment means you have to put in one and a half percent of your salary. So with the cost of living crisis and energy bills going up, what if one and a half percent is just beyond you? Like, you know, for lots of people who are pinned to their collar at the moment an extra one and a half percent and what about organizations and employers who are really stretched to the max and then they have
1: to contribute another one and a half percent as an employee's salary how's that going to work that's really interesting and i would say if you look back you know the government has responded to the geopolitical and the cost of living crisis and you know they are very responsive to what's going on in the world so They have suggested that auto-enrollment will be introduced in 2023. This has been bandied about for a good few years now, this auto-enrollment scheme. And exactly that, Gina, you know, with the cost of living going up, how can they justify forcing employers to pay one and a half percent of salary? You know, and if you think about a company with 10 employees, which would be a typical company that would not have an employer-based scheme, if they're forced into one and a half percent, it. It does add up. And then, as you say, the employee is, you know, they're watching their pennies. I would say, I would suggest, and this is only my own feeling on it, there's absolutely nothing to back it up. We'll see the auto-enrollment being pushed out a year or two until we're on top of the cost of living, until inflation stops going up the way it has, and commodities are not as expensive. I just wouldn't see the government introducing it at a time that they're also giving us money for our electricity bills. Yeah, uh, that's true. Um, so you mentioned about their auto enrollment scheme having a choice of
0: four funds. How is this different from any other investment choice under other arrangements?
1: When we look at the auto-enrolment scheme, I would most align it to an employer-based pension scheme. And as an employer, just say as an employer, um, Sprite Plans today was going to set up an employer uh, pension scheme for its employees. I can go and search the market. Right. I can go to there's you know, there's there's four life companies, certainly in the space at the moment, you know, leading life companies, Irish Life, New Ireland um, Zurich and Aviva, who are all offering employer based pension schemes. You know, then you can go to, you know, private houses and there's there, there's different types of employer based pension schemes that you can have with the like stockbroking houses and things like that. But you can search the market. And each of those companies has 10, 12 funds and they use top class international managers and they use passive approaches. They use active approaches. They, there's, there's just a huge array of options. So for an employer, so an employer-based pension scheme versus the auto-enrolled scheme, I can decide how much I'm going to put into the pension scheme. So I could put in half percent. Say I can't afford it. I could put half a percent in and my employee could put in 10 percent if they wanted to. Right. Huge flexibility there. Maybe I'd like to give them a bonus and I'm going to increase it by another one percent. You know, I can change that all the time. I can give my employees a range, a pension fund that gives them 15 different options. So as they move to retirement, they can change between them. You know, I'm using a A company that seeks to make profit, and they make profit by generating returns, regulated returns for their for their funds. So it's in their best interests to perform. Whereas if you look at the autumn Road scheme, they have to give four funds, which are you know various levels of risk. They're they're a lot more you know they a lot more tick box exercise. They're not as passionately driven to generate returns. So really, I think. And I'm hoping, obviously, from, you know, from an industry side, I'm hoping that what this will do is push more employers to look after their employees via employer pension schemes. And it's really going to be a better option because as well, actually, just on that, if I was a member of an employer based pension scheme and say I was in the company for five years and I had accumulated a fund of 25,000 in my pension scheme, I can take that with me to my next employer. Whereas in the auto-enroll scheme, it's going to stay in there. And I would say as well, there's a lot more choice and flexibility around when I can take my pension benefits and how I can transfer my pension benefits to private arrangements than through the auto-enroll scheme so that the, the auto enrolled scheme will have very tight rules. I don't know what those rules would be, but there's a lot more flexibility with regards to employer schemes.
0: So it makes more sense, I suppose. I mean, what the government are trying to do is force everybody's hand to get a pension because we know how valuable pensions are in the long run and that, you know, the, the state pension coffers aren't likely to have enough funds in them, you know, in for the long term. So they are a huge benefit to people. It is a fairly complex um, area and there's a huge amount to think about it. So from an employer's point of view, if they don't want to um, sign up to the auto enrol system, they're better off just starting up their own
1: pension plan. Is that right? I believe so. And the good news is, Gina, is that there's been huge changes in pension legislation giving employers great options, right? Um, So first of all, there was this European-wide legislation brought down, which... Very much focused on the individual member. And there, there's a new master trust type arrangement. And I won't bore you with the technicalities, but essentially, the Irish providers have been forced to provide cost effective employer pension arrangements, which are transparent. They have lower fees. They are regulated by qualified trustees. You have to invest in regulated um, products. So you're not investing in any kind of Ponzi schemes and there's no encashment penalties. So if Gina left the employer and had 100,000 euros worth of a pension pot, there's no encashment penalties for you transferring it into something else. So there, they are very accessible, these new master trust arrangements. There's also been further great news in the finance bill that's just come out with regards to PRSAs. So at the moment, if I had a personal PRSA, and if my employer said, well, I'm going to give you 10 percent of your salary into a pension scheme. At the moment, that's actually seen as a benefit and kind to me into a PRSA. So they're, they're, it, it looks like they give the pension amount to me and then I pay it into the pension. So I still have to pay USC and PRSI on that. It's a trading expense for them, which is great. But. In my hands, I still pay, you know, six and a half, actually eight and a half percent potentially, you know, or more. And it eats into my tax-relievable amount that I can contribute to my pension. So the great news is the change in the finance bill means that hopefully if they implement it from the 1st of January, an employer can make a pension contribution into my PRSA directly without it costing me USC and PRSI. So it's no longer treated as benefit and kind. And it means that that I can still contribute up to my age-related tax-relievable limits. And and I I, I won't touch into them because it's just a little bit complicated, but it makes it more tax-efficient. So it means that an employer from next year will have a choice of a cost-effective master trust or a PRSA-type arrangement. And the, the, the cost of that is really the administration through payroll.
0: So, you know, there, there's lots of different pension options, Niamh, but let me ask you this. When is the best time to start one? And is it ever too late?
1: The best time to start one is always Gina. No matter what, you're never, ever too late. So, you know, we'll start at the, the too late kind of side of the spectrum. Say you are 63 and you want to retire at 65, and you're kind of saying, well, I won't get any investment growth on my pension contribution. But what you will do is you will get your tax relief on it, right? And depending on what rate you pay tax at, it's either 40% or 20%, you know you're going to get that, right? And then come your retirement, depending on your options. So there's always loads of different options. There's many ways to skin the cat, as they say, but you can take a sizable amount as a tax free lump sum at retirement. So I'm 63, I pay, I'm able to pay up to 40% of my annual gross salary. So before tax salary into a pension scheme and get my tax relief and just say I earn 100,000 euros. So I'm going to put 40,000 euros into my pension scheme at 63, 64 and 65. and Then I'm going to take it out and after that. So I put it in gross at 40,000. That's actually because I'm paying tax at 40%. It's only cost me about 25,000 net, right over the, over the period. So I'm getting that uplift of about 15,000 straight up. I put it into really low, low risk investment, right? It's not going to get any investment return. And it's worth 120,000 euros when I retire. I can take a tax-free lump sum. Now, depending on how long I've been with the company, I could take up to 1.5 times my salary potentially. So 1.5 times 100,000 is 150. There's only 120 in there. So technically, I could take all of that as a tax-free lump sum. Or I could go down the twenty five percent tax free lump sum and put the rest into a post retirement pension vehicle, to you know fund for my retirement. But if we look back, so in this situation, I've put in one hundred and twenty gross. It's cost me seventy five, and I'm going to take the full one twenty eight tax free. So that's an example that it's never too late to contribute to a pension. Going back though, in your earlier years, say you're twenty five and you're starting your journey and say you can afford to put in 100 euros a month and you get tax relief, you're you're 25, so you're not earning a huge amount, you get tax relief of 20%. So that 100 euros is costing you 80 euros a month, probably, you know, a night out. That's all it is, a night out a month. But if you go, you know, you're 25, you've got 40 years to go to retirement to age 65, you can afford to take on a high Risk strategy with that investment because you have got forty years time horizon there, and the compounded impact of that hundred euros growing at say ten percent we use you know really high return and then you know investments go up as well as down, but that impact on making that contribution early and often like voting come early and often it really pays off and it also means you know you're twenty five you're young free and single. You know, then you hit 35, you've been putting 100 euros a month into the pension scheme for 10 years, but the mortgage comes along, the kids come along, the schooling comes along, and you can't afford to pay it. You know, you can afford to take a break then, knowing that that money is going to continue growing until such time as the cash flow frees up to contribute back into it. So it's never too late if, if you think about early and often wins out. But if, you, if you're in your 60s and you haven't contributed, Do see if you can, you know, hopefully at that stage, your outgoings, you won't be paying for full-time childcare. Hopefully your mortgage will be nearly finished. You know, that's what we tend to see in the life cycle. Many people are fit and healthy in their early 60s. They might be retiring until they're 70. So there is great opportunity to fund for your retirement.
0: So ultimately, Neve, what you're telling me is it's never too late to start a pension and it's
1: the best savings scheme you're ever going to have. (laughs) Without a doubt, Gina, you know, you're getting your tax relief. You're getting, you know, that tax relief. If you're getting tax relief of 20 percent, 40 percent, you're also getting the growth on that 20 or 40 percent. So, you know, it is the most tax efficient investment that everybody who's employed has access to. You know, if you're not employed, maybe that would be the only situation that you'd say, why would you contribute to a pension when you could be contributing to a savings plan? Because you will pay income tax. Most likely, pay income tax on the way back out of it. That would be the only situation, you know, if you have the cash flow, you're unemployed, you don't have taxable income. That's that that you can use tax relief on. So you can't actually. At one point, you can't you can't use that as a, a to get tax relief against rental income, but it's earned income. So without a doubt, it is. Everybody should contribute to a pension if they can. That was brilliant, Neve. Thank you so much. There's a huge amount to take in
0: on pensions. It's a a massive subject. Um, Thank you for listening to Back to Work Connect, the podcast. I'm Gina Ogilvie, and today we were with Neve de Berka of Sprout Plans. Thank you to our sponsors, Bank of Ireland, the Begin Together Fund, and the Community Foundation of Ireland.